Good morning, fellowship. Whether you are joining us for the first time uh, or whether you've been here for a while, whether you're here in the sanctuary with us or you're joining us online, whether you're basking in this weekend's sunshine or whether you feel like your life is still pretty cloudy and overcast, however you're showing up this morning, I invite you to consider a psalm, particularly Psalm 89 of David with me. We'll read it responsively. I will read the one and you will read the all. And here we go. We will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With our mouths, we will make your faithfulness known through all generations. We will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. And you said, I have made a covenant with my chosen ones, and I have sworn to David, my servant, and I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Friends, in the glee of sunshine and even in the ick of gray skies and in the tumult of storms, our triune God is faithful and his steadfast love endures forever. Would you stand and sing his praises with us? Yeah. 
join me in your hearts in prayer. O Lord, God of Israel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no God like you in heaven above or in earth below, keeping covenant and steadfast love for your people who walk before you with all their heart. God, our creator, from nothing you made our world. You formed us, love us, and give us all that we need. God, our redeemer, you rescued us from sin. You have given us new life and hope of healing to the world. God, our comforter, you are with us always. You comfort us, renew us, and guide us into your truth. Almighty Father, for your gracious love for us, we praise you. Through the name of Christ Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray and offer you our worship today. Amen. friends, in the spirit of a thousand tongues singing, we have the great joy today of welcoming new members into the Fellowship of Fellowship Church here this morning. And so if that's you and you know who you are, would you please begin to make your way forward and find your place here on the stage. We have approximately 25 new members joining us this morning, and uh, they have graciously endured our Discover Fellowship Cafe experience and intensive uh, edition of it. Uh, they've met with our elders, they've shared their stories, they've learned some church history, and they've learned a bit about what it means to be a fellowshipian in our midst. And so we're eager for you to meet them and to welcome them into uh, our fellowship here at church. Today we have, and I'm going to read this because I can't keep it all straight, we have attorneys, business managers, and sales directors, lab supervisors, a physics professor, and a nurse homemakers, ship shoppers, a dean of students, a theology professor, and more. It's kind of a great bunch to have in front of you, but we want you to be able to meet them all. And today they are joining not a gym like the YMCA. They're joining not some kind of shopping club like Costco. They are joining a fellowship of believers, the body of Christ, where each of us are an important part, though we are each different. And Jesus Christ is our head. But we want you to be able to meet them and hear from them. They'll introduce themselves and also just say a bit of why fellowship, okay? Starting down here. All right, I'm Matthew. This is my wife, Kim, and my daughters, Cora and Louise. 
Um, we started coming to fellowship because we have family here and we've really enjoyed just the welcoming of the congregation as uh, our extended family as well. Wonderful. I'm David. This is my wife, Lisa, my son, Elliot, and our daughter, Amelia. Um, we joined fellowship, uh, really just the, the warm welcoming uh, of the people here at fellowship as well as the biblical teaching. Um, hi, I'm Kestai Godalo. Um, I came to the U.S. for the first time last year, and I was invited to the church. And for the past six months, I've seen genuine support for one another and the love that, you know, the church brings. And, yeah. Wonderful. Hi, I'm Katie, and these are my sons, Anders and Julian. And we moved here about six months ago, and we've loved coming to fellowship. Um, it's been a really welcoming community, and so I'm so excited to join today. Excellent. Hi, I'm Janet. This is my husband, Jim. Um, we are joining Fellowship because we um, like the welcoming atmosphere and um, the minister's sermons really speak to us, and so we wanted to join. Excellent. Hi, good morning to you all. My name is George Milan, and my wife, Tasneem Hassan, and my daughter, uh, Janatul Imi. And the Holy Bible says that church as the uh, body of Christ. So I am glad to you all that we can worship the Almighty God with you all. Thank you so much. Superb. I'm going to jump in because we got to call one out. But George, I just want to celebrate with you. You're coming from Bangladesh, and Bangladesh has 0.3% population is Christian. How cool that we're so glad to have you with us. Before we get to the Parsons, I got this thing on my face. I don't need that one. <laughs> Thanks, Stephanie. But uh, Bill Hoffman is out back. He's not coming on stage with us, but he's sitting right there, and you have his photo on the screen. Maybe you've seen him around. Bill Hoffman is joining us as well. He's a reverend. He's been a minister for 62 years. He's standing up for us right there. And he's served as a missionary in India and even as a pastor at the Reformed Church in St. Thomas. So we're, we're glad to have you join us as well. And then we can go on to the Parsons. Yes, I'm Stephanie. This is Andrew, and we have Grant and Connor as well. Uh, we moved here about a year and a half ago and are excited to join the community here and have felt very welcomed. People have even remembered our names, which we were impressed by. Yes. Hi, we're the Starkenbergs. My name is Keith. This is Becky and Clara and Mia. And the missing person is Sam. He's a second year student at Valparaiso. We were really attracted to fellowship because of the focus on the gospel here, the shared leadership model, and also just the warm welcome that everybody experiences as well. Excellent. Thanks. Well, thank you, friends, for uh, introducing yourselves. Uh, we are elated to have you stand up uh, with us this morning. And yes, you get to introduce yourselves uh, to the congregation, but you also get to profess uh, your faith. Uh, you know the questions that we're going to ask you, but this is uh, our version of a public declaration, a testimony, you might say, of your faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, I will ask you the questions, and the, they'll be on the back screen for you, but you also have a little cheat sheet. Um, here, we'll uh, go. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you renounce sin and the power of evil in your life and in this world? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as the only rule for faith and life? 
Will you be a faithful member of this congregation and through worship and service, seek to advance God's purposes here and throughout the world? Do you promise to accept the spiritual guidance of the church, to walk in the spirit of Christian love with this congregation, and to seek those things that make for unity, purity, and peace? Thanks be to God. And congregation, we get to make promises to them as they have uh, made promises to us that they're going to be a part of this faith community and be a part of this Christian faith with us. Uh, will you stand and we'll uh, read the words on the screen together. We promise to love, love encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by extending God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service. Hey, let's join together in prayer. Please remain standing. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, and blessed are you for this glad day and for these good people joining into this place called Fellowship Church, this fellowship of people who are committed to following your son Jesus. We ask that you would bind them together with us and bind us unto your son who binds us to you, O God, that we might live uh, your way in this world and honor you in all that we say and do. We give you great thanks for this moment and that we get to welcome them this morning. We pray this all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And one final charge for you, our newest members of Fellowship Church. We urge you to live a life worthy of the calling for which you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Amen? Hey, let's welcome these, our newest members of Fellowship Church. Come on. It is because of that one Lord and one Jesus Christ that we have peace with God and peace with one another. My friends, the peace of Christ be with you. As you share a sign of Christ's peace, uh, the children ages three through uh, third grade are dismissed. Please share a sign of Christ's peace.
My name is Bryce Vanderstelt, and I'm excited this morning as we continue in on our sermon uh, series in Mark to look at Mark 5 together. So before we open up Mark 5, will you all pray with me? Holy Spirit, as we just sang that you would come in us, I pray that you would be in this space. I pray that as we speak and listen, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would use this story to show something new to us today, that you would move us and show us where you're calling us to be. It's in your name we pray, amen. So this morning we're looking at uh, the first 20 verses of Mark 5, but I promise it's a story, so don't let the verse count scare you. Uh, this might be a familiar one to many of you, but for some of you, this, you might know bits and pieces, so I invite you to listen to this story, Mark 5, 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains. But the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles broke in pieces. And no one had the, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, what have you done to, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me, for he had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there, were hosti- there, were, there was a hillside a great, with a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. 
And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told, and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, last week, if you were here with us, Pastor Nate preached, and he talked about Jesus calming the storm. And that story starts out with Jesus and the disciples getting in the boat, and they say, all right, we're going to get in the boat, and we're going to go to the other side of the sea. And as they're traveling, the storm hits, and then Jesus calms the storm. But the storm doesn't deter them. They continue to go on, so they get to the other side of the sea. By the way, it was a great sermon last week, if you did not hear it. I invite you to go back and listen to that. But they get to the other side of the sea, and this story is where it picks off immediately after that. I have to admit, the last couple of weeks as I've been reading this story, and I've been picturing us in this room together in 2024 in Holland, Michigan, talking about this story, I had to smile to myself a little bit, because this is a weird way for people to spend their Sunday mornings. Right? If you're someone that maybe you've heard the stories of Jesus your entire life and you hear it and you read a story like this and your thought is just another day in the life of Jesus, I guess, I invite you to listen to the story in a fresh way because it's an odd story and this morning I want us to look into it with a sense of exploration to see what it might mean for us today. So let's go through the story from a long time ago from a land far away and see what we might find. First things first, we're just going to start in verse 1. It says, Jesus and his disciples have come to the region of the Gerasenes. In other words, they're no longer in Jewish territory. Mark is a big lover of details. When he says he went across the sea, what he's saying is he's now leaving the Jewish people. They're leaving their region, and they're going to a group of new people. You may think to yourself, I'm in a boat often. I go to the other side of Lake Mack. No big deal. Now we know where Jesus is. But this is a detail where Mark is telling us that Jesus is not just going to be tied to one territory and one group of people. No, Jesus, in just going to the other side of the lake, he's going to not just be for the good Jewish people on this side, but he's going to the other side. He's even going to heal a tormented person on the other side of the lake. And by doing this, Jesus shows us that his power and authority, they're not tied to a synagogue or a town, but his power is at work everywhere. It's not only for one group of people, not one region or church or political group. No, Jesus is on the move. And this should be good news for us who live on the other side of the world and we live a long time. To know that Jesus is not just tied to that one spot gives us a lot of hope, but I have to wonder if the disciples share that same hope that I find. So verse one, we find this hope, but I wonder if the disciples, when they see Jesus get off of the boat, wonder what are we doing here? Why are we here? We just had to put up with this storm, which we're slightly suspicious you might have known something about. And now we're over here getting out of the boat, away from our people in the land of the Gerasenes. The Gerasenes, you know how they are, right? We don't want to be here, but Jesus gets off, and to make matters worse, their welcoming committee is a guy filled with demons screaming at them. 
each of the, and not only is he screaming at him, but he's in the graveyards near a bunch of pigs. Now, the demons and the graveyard and the pigs, again, the details matter in Jewish culture. Each one of these things individually would be enough to make this man unclean, unworthy to worship God in this moment. Mark's trying to paint this picture that this guy, and just for the sake of ease so that I don't say this guy a hundred times in this sermon, we're going to call him Joe. All right, so we're gonna call him Joe. Legion is the name of the demons inside of him. Joe is the guy that the demons inhabit. So we're gonna call him Joe. Joe is having an extremely difficult time. He's got these things going on inside of him that he can't control. It's tearing him apart, both physically and emotionally. People aren't sure how they're supposed to help him, so they've abandoned him. And now he's alone and feels helpless, destined to live with his demons in a graveyard because in some ways he's already dead. I'll be honest, in thinking more about Joe's story, it doesn't sound so distant and long ago. I'd be lying if I stood up here and told you that I could explain demons and possessions this morning. And the truth is, I cannot. I don't think in my modern minds, world mindset that I can do that this morning. But feelings of hopelessness and loneliness, those things I can connect with. I understand and resonate with having a problem that I've tried to fix, but I can't solve on my own. How about you? What are the things in your life that you have brought pain and destruction. I think about so many people who struggle with past trauma or anxiety and depression. I think of relationships that have been broken and fallen apart. I think about addictions that consume everything. And a quick clarification this morning. As I talk about things like depression or addiction, I wanna be very clear that what we're not saying is that those are the same as being possessed by demons, all right? Those are two different things, and, but in our own life, I think that the struggle that Joe has with the demons, that's his struggle in this moment, and I see a reflection in how we deal with our own struggles, but I don't want anyone to walk out of the church this morning thinking, Bryce said something about if I have these things that I'm somehow demonic. That's not what we think, and that's not true. If you have more questions, you can ask me afterwards. But clarification that I think is important in talking about this subject. But when Jesus says to the demon, what is your name? And the demon says, legion, because we are many. Again, I see a reflection to the problems that I face in my own life. This problem of, I might say that I have a problem that is one problem, but it's actually thousands of things. An example might help. I want you to picture... On Saturday night, your parents come over. It can be your in-laws, if you like them less. Um, <laughs> but picture that your parents come over, and you guys are doing whatever it is that you do on a Saturday night, and they, you just notice they make some fun comments, right? Some fun comments like, oh, you must be really busy, because it looks like you haven't cleaned in a while. Yeah. Or even, even better or worse is they just come to your house, and they just start cleaning for you to be helpful. Uh, maybe they dust your shelves off. You've been there, right? Now, I might say I have one thing. I have one problem in this world. My problem is I don't like people cleaning my house when I don't ask. It's one thing. Just don't like it. Now, if I were to start peeling layers off, I might start to say, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit more to it, right? Peel one layer back. Okay, it's not just that I don't like it. I guess I maybe feel judged when it happens, okay? Might be like, all right, are there more layers? Okay, let's peel back some layers, okay? I have these kids, and I love them. 
They're great, but also they're not so great because a lot of times I think it's their God-given mission to make the house as dirty as possible. So I'm going around and I'm trying to clean the house, but there's always this cup that's dirty or this thing I need to pick up and I would clean and I would do it all the time. But here's the thing, guys. I can't just clean. I can't just stay home every time. I have a job. So I have to go to this job that I have during the week. You understand. You go to this job and you deal with your coworkers and you deal with people all the time. So I'm busy with that. And I was doing things really well, but then, you know, my manager, they just wanted me to do it the way they wanted it to be done. You know how that goes, right? So I got to do it twice, even though the first time was totally fine. And I came home and it was Saturday. And, you know, I had this crazy idea that maybe I would come and maybe I would just sit down, right? Maybe I just sit down, kick my feet up for a little bit and relax, and I knew that you guys were coming over to my house, but the fact is I took a little bit of me time, and when you come into my house and you start cleaning things, it reminds me that I'm not done with everything that I should be done. There's always something else I should do, which makes me feel inadequate as a person, so just don't clean my house when you come over. <sighs> Sorry, I forgot where I was for a second. It's a joke, please, no one be... Parents, I love you, <laughs> if you see this later. One thing, it's actually a thousand things, right? In the big problems I talk about, when you talk about broken relationships, you might just be like, oh, the relationship, it just fell apart. Or relationships normally don't just fall apart, right? Maybe there's a bunch of things that were said that should not have been said. Maybe there are things that were not said that really should have been said. Maybe there were things that were done that should not have been done, and maybe there were things that really should have been done that never were. And those things pile up, and eventually a relationship breaks. With depression and mental health disorders, you're not just sad or depressed for no reason. It's not just the one problem. There may be hurtful experiences or chemical imbalances or toxic relationships that are a part of your experience that have brought you to this point. This is why we often can't solve the biggest problems in our lives alone, because we're not capable as individuals to handle all of the thousands of problems that make up that one big one. So we have to admit that we need a person or a power beyond ourselves in order to face our struggles. On a practical level, this means we may need counselors or therapists or doctors or mechanics or maybe a trusted friend with an outside perspective. Part of being human is trying to be humble enough to get help. You see, this communion table, we use it in our services, and sometimes it's up here, but sometimes we need it down here, and you can see there's a step here. And what Jess doesn't do is come in here on a day and just try to lift it on her own and move it. She knows that's too big. She wouldn't be able to. So in a staff meeting, she'll say, hey, can you, we just get a bunch of us to come in here and lift it up. So we'll come in here with like five of us around the table. We'll lift it and we'll move it. Easy enough. But a lot of times when we have big problems in our lives, it's like this communion table, and you're just sitting there, and you're trying to lift it on your own. And it's not going to work in the end. Joe is in the graveyard, and he's lost all control of his life, and now Legion controls everything. But it's not until Jesus shows up that Joe has what he needs to be healed. And as Christians, we gather together here every week to remind ourselves and remind each other that we believe that we cannot save ourselves. It's not our own power that's going to save us. No, we have to rely on the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to work in and through us to bring that healing. In order to heal, Jesus sends all of these demons out into 2,000 pigs and they run off a cliff. Why? A lot of people have wondered over the years, right? Is it to show that Jesus has, is it just to give a visual 
to the people in the town of just how many demons were tormenting Joe, how big the problem was? Is it to show that Jesus has power even over unclean things? Is it to show that Jesus has enough grace to even grant the request of a demon? Maybe yes to all those, and I'm sure those would all make great sermons, but we don't have time to do all of those things. But I do know that in this whole encounter, what we do see is Jesus, in this act, Jesus' mercy and power, they're on full display, and it's enough to bring the people out from the town to see what all the commotion is. So they come and they find Joe, and he's now in his normal clothes and in his right mind, and you would think that this would be an exciting thing for everyone. Someone that they know is now there and looking and is better than they saw him. If I were to come to you and say, hey, if there's someone in your life who's struggling with something, would you like it? I could get Jesus to physically come and heal them. We would jump at the opportunity, right? We'd be very excited about it, but that's not how it plays out here. The Bible tells us that the people are afraid and they plead with him to leave. Now, before we look down on them and think of them as foolish, I want to think about what this experience would be like for them. Remember, they've been struggling with these demons for a long time. They've tried to shackle the demons with chains, but somehow the demons give Joe supernatural strength and he breaks the chains. So they've sent the demon out of the town in order to at least get rid of the problem. I would imagine dealing with a power like that, that there would be a lot of fear in their hearts and minds, a lot of fear of what the demons might do. And now you have a guy coming from the other side of the lake who apparently is this much more powerful than demons that he could just almost handle them with a snap. That kind of power can be scary to deal with. What if Jesus asked them to do something that they didn't want to do? What if Jesus told them to get rid of their pigs or other sources of revenue or income? What if Jesus made them face their own demons? It sounds like opening yourself up to what Jesus is doing could potentially be dangerous. It's good we don't have any fears like that. What if Jesus makes me change the way that I live? It's funny how we can live with pain and struggle in our lives, and after a while of living with it, it can become normalized. You live with a problem long enough, you learn how to deal with it. And you might be able to picture a future where you find healing and where it might be better, but in some ways, we just think, no, you know what, I'm comfortable with how I'm dealing with it. It might be painful to deal with the problem fully, so I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to rest in it, and I think it's better to just live the way that I'm used to living. For the townspeople, there may be fear of Jesus' power, but there may just be fear in the unknown. What's Jesus going to do next? And in a sad case, would be careful what you ask for. They ask Jesus to leave, and he does. In our own lives, following Jesus means that we are going to change, and that can be scary. If we, if we are really seeking the way of Jesus, we're going to have to humble ourselves and realize that we don't know everything. We may have to love more people than we would like to. We're going to have to seek wholeness that God desires for our lives by working on our emotional, physical, and mental health because we realize that God gave us this body and this life and we have the gift of taking care of it. Again, this is scary. I've had my own doubts and questions about faith in my life and I've diff had different moments in my life where I've realized, oh, I need to leave this group of people in order to grow as a person and as a Christian and maybe you've had that and that's difficult, especially when those people, when you talk to them again, look at you and kind of say, I don't know how you could think the way that you do. Like, how did you end up thinking like this? And you're th maybe thinking to yourself, look, I'm just not trying to be antagonistic, I'm just trying to go and figure out what I believe and I realize that this is the path that it took me on. I have friends 
and braved loved ones who faced deep hurts and pains through therapy, doing the work to face trauma, going back to when they were kids who could not protect themselves. They do this work because they believe that God has called them to love themselves and their kids to the fullest. And that means reckoning with the past and being, more, being a more healthy person now. I have other people in my life who go in, who have gone in and still go into recovery programs to take on their struggles with drug and al- drugs and alcohol, and they seek community and God's power to help them with their struggle. Following Jesus is going to challenge you. And if we're honest, there are plenty of days that we're like the townspeople and we just want to ask Jesus to leave. Leave us alone because we just want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do the work of being faithful. We want to be comfortable in our brokenness so that we can believe that we're right all the time. But the story doesn't end with the townspeople. No, this story ends with Joe. Now, Joe begs to go along with Jesus, and in another plot twist, Jesus says no. He says, stay here and tell everyone that you know what the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. See, Joe has something that I think is pretty good. Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus says yes, but not in the way that Joe wants. Jesus says, physically, you can't go with me but I want you to follow my commands, follow the things that I tell you. And to Joe's credit, he follows the command anyway. He goes around and he tells people, and I love the last line, it says that people are amazed by it. How incredible is that? Joe's an outcast in this area, and Jesus has given him agency. Joe's become the first person to go and be a missionary to the Gentiles. And here's the cool thing for you and me. Jesus doesn't sit him down and give him a 100 different things that he has to tell everyone. He doesn't say, here's all the details that you should know. He just says, hey, go out and tell people about your experience with Jesus. And that's enough to get Joe started. And that's enough to get us started. You don't have to know everything. We just need to share how we've experienced Jesus in our own lives. And another thing I love about this, that we often talk about calling the disciples. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus calling the disciples. And Jesus says, leave your boats, leave everything behind. And that's one thing to be celebrated. But Joe's told to go home. And I don't know about you, but maybe there's been a time in your life where you felt guilty as a Christian. Because maybe you've never left the town that you grew up in. Maybe you still live near where you grew up, and you think to yourself, oh, I've never been called to leave everything. I've never done that. Maybe I'm just not as good as other Christians are. But I got some good news for you today. Maybe you're just not a Peter. Maybe you're just a super awesome person named Joe that Jesus is like, go to the people that you know and love, and that's where you're called to be. Because Jesus, following Jesus happens here and now. And this story reminds us that Jesus' power spreads beyond borders and groups. It extends even to us. And that can be scary because wholeness and happiness are not exactly the same thing. But to be a whole person that Jesus is calling us to is an invitation to life. So let's be like Joe and allow Jesus to work in our hearts so that we can leave the graveyards we're currently hanging out in and move into spreading the love of Jesus to those around us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite those helping with communion to come forward this morning. Thank you, Bryce, for making Joe relatable to us. That is a, a compelling thing for me, especially as we approach the table of our Lord Jesus Christ in that 
Joe has been humanized for us, including his fear that Jesus might invite us to change, and the great hope that we have that Jesus meets us where we are. And so we come to this table. Friends, as we celebrated the work that Jesus did in the life of Joe, we turn to the table and celebrate what Jesus has done for us all. We come to celebrate this feast of remembrance and communion and hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth in human form and through his life, death, and resurrection and has reconciled us to God. We come in communion with Christ who has promised to be with us always and we come in hope, believing that this bread and cup are a foretaste of the feast of love that we will share with God's kingdom when God's kingdom has fully come. At Fellowship, we welcome to this table all who love God and are learning to love Jesus. Wonderful. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we prepare to approach this table today, the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are mindful that he is Lord of both sides of the sea. On the near side, Jesus is Lord. On the far side, Jesus is Lord. Upon the raging sea, Jesus is Lord. Among the religious, you are. O Christ, our Lord, among the irreligious, you, O Christ, are Lord. And so today we approach your table, a table of grace, acknowledging that you, Jesus, came into this world because you love us. You came for our good in order to be with us and to be our Lord and our Savior and our teacher and our friend. You lived just like us, except without sin, and with great and godly power, you died, offering to us a blessed exchange, your righteousness in place of our unrighteousness, and you rose from the dead, defeating once and for all the powers of evil in us and in the world. And so now we embrace the mystery of our faith that we might be united to you, O Christ, in our living, in our dying, and in our rising until we can know in our heads and by full experience that we belong, that we belong in body and soul and life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who has fully paid for all of our sins and set us free entirely and who has assured us of eternal life so that we can wholeheartedly and joyfully live for him every day. So loving God, we pray that you would send on us your Holy Spirit that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and may grow up in every way into Christ, who is our Lord. And at this table, we pray now that you would allow us to taste forgiveness, to experience invigoration, to feel the Spirit's power in gathering us in and sending us nourishing us and equipping us, binding us together and unleashing us to go and bless your world. To that end, come Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he gathered with his disciples around a table like this one and he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, take, eat, remember, and believe. Alongside the bread, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup 
is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Friends, on the screen behind me, you'll see our nifty little diagram of how we take communion together. We'll have four stations up front, and you'll be invited to come forward in just a bit. We take communion by intinction, which means that you take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and take the two elements together. We'll have four stations up front. We have a gluten-free station underneath the cross over on this side of the sanctuary. And we also have rovers who, if you simply raise your hand, they will come to you and bring the elements uh, your way. We invite you to relish this moment that we get to gather with Jesus at this table and alongside believers here and around the whole world. We invite you to prayerfully and wholeheartedly engage this uh, sacrament together. When we say so, you'll be invited to get up when you're ready. You don't have to rush. You can stay where you are and wait till the line is shorter and come forward again when you are ready. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let's feast together.
two very quick things before we go. One, we didn't have a chance to do announcements, but if you are interested, the bulletin has a bunch of announcements. Uh, please check that out. Again, we have table to table right now between services. There's bagels, they're in the gym, and I was told grab coffee on your way there. Keep traffic moving in the right direction. Also, next month's table to table is a youth fundraiser, so look forward to that coming up as well. All right, friends, may you leave the graveyards that you're in and follow Jesus and spread his love to the places that he has called you. Go in peace.